Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Graysale Brewing, Providence Ballet Theater, New Bedford Festival Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Festival Ballet, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, and R1 Indoor Karting. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have singer-songwriter Marissa Nadler. Marissa got her start at the open mics in Rhode Island and now tours the world sharing her music far and wide. She will be at Askew on Friday, April 28th.
Marissa? Yes, hi. How are you? I'm good. Long, long time. It's I know. been 20 years. Yeah, I know. Your voice sounds the same. <laughs> so does yours. <laughs> well, that's good. So, um, you're in Nashville. What what brought you down to Nashville? The music, stuff like that. I mean, in the 20 years that you've known me, I've bumped around a lot, actually. I have a pretty sharp memory, actually, of like the RISA, the Rhode Island Songwriter Association gigs at that coffee house i remember exactly when i met you too which is kind of funny where was that the safari lounge what year was that i don't even remember what year it was but i just remember when i met you because it wound up in this like weird night this weird night of coincidences and running into people and i had gone to see a friend of mine at the safari lounge she was playing and was that kendra flowers yes that's who i went to go see I have a good memory. I, I remember this actually. And you were, she, I was at the bar and you were sitting next to me and I was talking to you and you, you were super shy and you were like probably freaked out that I was talking to you, but I was all I'm by myself. I'm still super shy, actually. <laughs> it's a lifetime affliction. I don't, I don't mm, quite remember that venue. It was a weird, I only, I think that was the one and only time I ever went there. And it was just because I went to go see Kendra because she was doing music stuff. I was actually at, at a period in my life when I wasn't doing much music so i was kind of living vicariously through other people performing for a while yeah. because i was doing a lot of production at that time and mm-hmm. running stuff and running the songwriters association that's when i was still active in that and i had gone out to see her play and then what happened was i was dating somebody at that time because this was like 20 20 years ago or so yeah her sister was a poet and she ended up on that same bill and i didn't know it we ended up hanging out and then we went out somewhere we wound up at the silver top diner at like four o'clock in the morning or something and it was just one of those nights that i kept running into people but then i just kept running into you after that which was kind of funny yeah i think Being, i was still in school at the time yeah you were going to risd mm-hmm. i remember running into you you were doing some kind of like installation thing for your you know senior th- what a project or something yeah. like that and then and then you ended up showing up at the brooklyn coffee tea house which is where i used to run into you all the time that's right and i actually have some video of you performing from back then too no I oh do. my god, that would be so curious <laughs> to see it. I'd have to find it. I have piles of old VHS tapes that someday I will transfer to, to digital, but yeah. I can't even play them. So a lot of the events I used to produce, I had an old video camera and I used to record them on VHS and I have these piles mm-hmm. of tapes and yeah, I can't play them. So someday I'll have them transferred. But if I ever do, I'll let you know and I'll, I'll send Thank it you. to you. But I know I have a couple of photographs of you from back then too. You used to wear some big old hat when you played too. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. did I? I have pictures of you hiding under your hat. You were very shy when you played. I'm still a little shy when I play. I have a little bit more faith in the songs now, you know. You used to ask for a lot of, lot of reverb when you played, and that hasn't changed. <laughs> I, I know. 
I want to know how this transpired because I just remember knowing you from the open mics in Rhode Island and then I think when Facebook appeared we we friended on Facebook and then I started seeing you like touring all over the world and I'm like whoa she was playing the open mics at the Brooklyn Coffee yeah. House and now she's touring the world how did that take me take me through that how that happened I put out that first record on like a very underground label and it just got picked up by like the underground music scene. I was teaching art in Harlem and not having a great time doing it. Just was I was too shy to be uh, managing a classroom of 30 kids. And, oh jeez. Um somebody asked me to tour England in Wales and I was like that, that sounds like more fun than what I'm doing now and basically I just kept saying yes to everything and it I put out records consistently like for the last for the last 20 years yeah I mean, um, you you have a list i looked at your list of recordings and i was like holy shit you, you've recorded yeah. like 10 albums and recorded all kinds of got all yeah. these singles and then you've got these covers that i mean i saw a cover of you doing the river by springsteen yeah. ordinary world duran duran and famous blue raincoat by leonard cohen and you know there are a few other ones too and i'm just like You've got so much recorded material out there. I do. I decided to go for it. You know, like if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. I enjoy recording covers like for fun when I'm not writing because I recently learned how to like I switched to Pro Tools and the last record I did was like something. Yeah, I've gotten more into the production side of things like because the gear that you can get these days is so much better than what used to exist. Just the ability to make stuff. So you do a lot of these recordings at home? At home? Almost all the covers have been done at home, and um, I've recorded them just myself. And the last record, I recorded a lot of it. So you just set up, what do you record right to your computer? Yeah, like a Pro Tools rig, and um, not so great mics, but like <laughs> whenever I need to go to like, I mean, I ended up retracting all the vocals on a good mic in a studio in Nashville for the record. Um, but scratches were done on just like a blue mic or whatever, you know? This is totally different than the, than the girl I used to know who sat in the open mic and was shy and played the 12 string. And I still play the 12 string. Do you but, still um, play the 12 yeah, string? I, I still have the same one, I think, the Martin 12 string. That yeah. I, so basically, from the time you've known me, I've just been really busy with the making of the records. As I said, I think from July on, those are the records I'm most proud of. Hmm. Like, there was like the early work from my. And it's drastically different from like the later work, kind of better. You got a degree. I mean, you even got a you got a postgraduate degree, didn't you? I did. I have a master's in art education. Oh, okay, yeah. Because um, so you you still do some art, don't you? Yeah, I'm still a painter and still take it seriously. I haven't had. I hope to one day get gallery representation and still working on the art, the music has been more of my career path i guess i i kind of did the same thing because i i have a, a master's degree in art as well and i mean yeah. i i did a art for a kind of a this kind of in between time like i did uh you know i did music and then i did art for a while while i was during that period i met you i was doing more art because i had kind of stepped back from music performing for a while and then you know back into the performing aspect again and very rarely ever do any kind of art stuff i've you know worked in a little photography again and such but i mean how does how did that feel for you to you know spend all that time in school because i know how i feel about it i spent you know seven years in college and then <laughs> 
I go and I don't really do anything with it anymore. You know, um, that's a hard question. I think that, like, the work ethic that you learn when you're studying art, like, transfers over to everything else. I definitely, during art school, was like, I like writing songs a lot. I, I kind of figured it out during when I was about 18 that I had more than just a hobby's interest in it and got something out of it that I wasn't getting out of painting. Part of me wishes I'd, like, studied music at the same time <laughs> but it's just in some ways it's nice not to have studied it because every time I pick up the guitar it's still a surprise like to find a new tuning or to it's still fun now do you use a lot of different tunings I do what's your favorite I'm very, I'm my favorite is uh, dad fad dad fad <laughs> yeah it's like open D minor I like Dad, gad, dad, fad, drop D. You know, like I just, I when when I start to get bored, I switch it up. If like can't write, sometimes a new tuning will help get the ideas flowing. That's kind of like Nick Drakeish. He had some bizarre tunings. I love Nick Drake. Yeah, and definitely like Joni Mitchell was the person that got me interested in open tunings. And yeah, do you play any like, little uh, dobro? Uh, not dobro, dulcimer. Dulcimer. I have a, I have a dulcimer. I can play it a little. Um, I can play a little banjo, but I'm mostly sticking to the guitar. Like for, especially for these shows where I'm playing solo, it's going to be like not a lot of production. They're mm -hmm. just going to be the songs presented, which should be fun. You, one of the songs that you sent me was uh, Poison, and you recorded with John Cale from the Velvet Underground. Now, how did you hook up with him? Um, that record, I that I did that song around the same time. I worked with these people in L.A. like that produced that record for my crimes, and I'd written Poison around the same time. And one of the producers just happened to be working with John Cale and was like, I'm going to send this to him. And I was like, go for it. He liked the song a lot, and John Cale wrote, like, really liked the song and agreed to sing on it. It was just, like, this weird thing where I got lucky. Like, I didn't actually meet him in person. That's weird. But... You have somebody singing on a, on a song that you've never actually met. That must be kind of odd to... To do. It was because uh, he, the producer, went and did it without me knowing. When I said, <laughs> "Yeah, sure, go ahead and s send it to him," I didn't actually expect anything to happen from it, and he did it as a surprise, kind of, to get me to record the record with him. Still come 
getting the track back and being, getting goosebumps. It was a very surreal moment because I love that band. It's a beautiful cameo. It is weird these days. So many people work remotely. Like a lot of the record that I just did, a lot of the players were not there in person. Well, that's kind of isolated people even more nowadays. I mean, I've always been kind of a like to do things by myself and my own little space kind of person but the pandemic kind of just emphasized that for a lot of people and you know people a lot of people learned how to do it now they realize they can do it and they just it's you know they just get a track sent to them they record it on the computer and send it back exactly do you know the cocteau twins yeah i haven't heard that name um, in a long time well the guy i have two record labels that for like europe and for the u.s for the world and then the u.s and my european label is run by simon ramon from the cocteau twins oh um, cool it's called bella union and he ed ended up playing on the record and it came about where i was like will you play bass on this and send him the tracks and he sent them back the <laughs> next day wow. that's and it's just so cool like that like the internet has a lot of things wrong with it but it has made it easier to collaborate with people in ways that you'd never expect now your music i mean i've i read a couple of things about your music and one of the descriptions of your voice will will drag you straight to hell and it's like that of a siren those are a couple of things i saw that describe your voice it's kind of an ethereal kind of voice your music is described as ambient kind of dream pop is that accurate do you think those are accurate descriptions i would say it's dreamy for sure i don't know how poppy it is but like uh, people use that term like dreamy it has ambient tones for sure and i've always loved reverb um yeah, i know that i, don't use I, it as much that as I, I remember 
I don't use it as much as I used to, and I have more um, confidence in my voice now, so I use it more for artistic purposes and less to just cover up. You know, I was so young then. And well, yeah, you were shy. Great. I mean, that's that's... I used to do yeah. the same thing. I used to crank the reverb up when I started playing because I was so uh, uncertain of what I was doing. So you kind of use these things as, as uh, I mean, I used to drink a lot before I played too. <laughs> uh, me too. And I don't do that anymore. And that was probably the worst thing that you could possibly do. Oh, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I don't do that anymore. That's a bad combo. It is. I it's totally bad. Drink way too much before. I played, and that's not sustainable. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. It, that's that's why you see a lot of artists that, as they get older, they're in rough shape, and you know you don't want exactly. to be in rough shape. I just watched uh, the David Johansson documentary last night, and he said, you know, he was out on the road for like three years, and he said something about, yeah, my liver is swollen or something. So, yep. you know, you sent me a bunch of songs. You sent me uh, the Poison song. You also sent Messy. Did you make it? Um, I, I watched that one, and I got it confused actually because they were, I remember a video you posted and ended up popping up when I was listening to some of your music and it was If I Could Breathe Underwater. Now, I got yeah. the two confused because the videos were a little similar in that they so showed... both have underwater scenes, right. yeah. One of, first, I thought that was the song because it was a person underwater, but then I remembered it being you that was underwater and yeah. that's If I Could Breathe Underwater. That's the one of you in the flowing gown yeah. kind of swimming underwater and in the woods and stuff. But the Bessie Did You Make It kind of had a little bit of the same similarity of as far as the video. Yeah, it was a coincidence, actually. Like, I didn't know when I had the guy make the video for Bessie that it, he was going to go underwater. But it makes sense because the song is about, it's a true story about this married couple that disappeared in the Colorado River in 1928, which I found out about watching Unsolved Mysteries, which was an influence <laughs> on several of the songs on the new record. I, I did and see that was, listed in your, yeah. your inspiration. The stories were just so perfect. Like, it became kind of this, like, feminist anthem in a way. Like, we're like, it's like a murder ballad that isn't about a woman getting murdered, which, you know, kind of, I like to play with these tropes of, like, you know, I love old murder ballads. You don't often get, like, this murderous woman. I mean, I'm speculating on, as to what happened, but the, one of the songs is about D.B. Cooper jumping out of the airplane. I used to be sucked into the Unsolved Mysteries and cold case files and forensic files and all those things. I love that stuff. Sometimes <laughs> it's fun if you've written enough love and heartbreak songs and you want to keep, uh, you know, even somebody like, like writing story songs or in the third person mm. can be very freeing. Oh, I had a conversation with james mcmurtry uh, a few weeks ago and he he's you know he kind of embodies the characters that he writes because i asked him if it was him talking he says no because he, he talks about things that he doesn't necessarily agree with as, as the character like he personally he doesn't agree with the things but he is his characters do yeah is that something you do as well yeah or i mean sometimes if i'm i'll just use characters to yeah, to play different roles in a song. I have a ton of songs about other people. In fact, like, I have a lot of songs about women that I've realized, like, women's names over the years, tons of them. But, um, yeah, I like when thinking about, like, certain songs of mine that are my favorite songs that other people have written so often. There are, like, like So Long, Marianne. That's Leonard Cohen's song. Mm, or I think I, or like, I played those songs at a Cohen thing once, and it was interesting. They're, they're a little difficult, because he has a weird kind of approach to his songwriting as well. Yeah, he was a huge influence on me in my early years. Um, 
still is kind of just like the mystical really some of the lyrics are very abstract Hmm. obviously a great he's obviously a great writer so sent me uh, a song uh, lemon queen it was that uh, it was a video of a woman in like kind of a it looked like a French castle kind of thing sort of uh, yeah so these are like a lot of some of the videos were made by people that like contacted me on the internet like and that girl actually shot that video in Italy and I like I was following her photography and she said I love your music do you want to right can i make a music video for you and stuff like that because you know i can make music videos and i've done a few of them like one of them in particular that i'm proud of is for this song all the colors of the dark and it's like a stop motion animation I think video I, that i made yeah i think i did see that at one time I, you posted it on facebook i think i watched it it sounds familiar because i i think i, re- I was because i like stop motion stuff and i did you did that all yourself that video i did it all myself and that must have been a it project took forever yeah because stop motion I is... loved it and I, if I didn't have to be my own manager in my own everything I'd be still making animation like I love process and animation is just one of those things that takes forever so you can't if you're gonna get good at it you gotta kind of go all in oh yeah it's i mean because people don't understand how much regular film is like 18 frames a second or something like that and you have to go in that kind of formula to do the stop motion so it's like every probably like five seconds of a video will take you almost all day to do exactly that video took forever but it was worth it there's not often time to to make every video or every poster like Mm. i try to keep a like the visual art stuff plays a lot into my current career because of my background in art like my photography and visual aesthetic is very connected to the music that's the only saving grace of my art career for me is that i've been able to do a lot of like my own album covers a lot of my own graphics my you know i haven't i've started in the foray into videos and such and i think that the art career gave us the leg up on that kind of stuff exactly because it's important now with the like instagram and knowing what what it what an image what makes an image good or pop or what makes an album cover strong or evocative is something we learned in art school and Mm. so i'm still utilizing those skills on a daily basis because like every venue wants you to make a poster every venue wants video or a clip and it's a lot of work oh Um, i know trust me (laughs) i know it's draining but i you know but i wouldn't want other people to do it for me so at the same time what that's the problem with being a visual artist like you don't want somebody else to make it well you know Um, what's good and you know it works and then if you get somebody else's work you'd be like well it's not exactly what i wanted because you know you kind of want to be in control of it yourself exactly So. so Right now, I'm like, oh, like I'm a swamped. Like, I'm leaving tomorrow, and I, I have a friend that's coming with me. I'm going to pick her up at the airport. It's going to be nice, like a Thelma and Louise without the Just don't drive off, off, the, off cliff. the cliff. Right, right. Exactly. So, I, I watched, I, I was curious to see, um, because a lot of your your music is very produced i mean you have a lot of like that like there's a lot of ambient stuff going on there's a lot of like synth and effects and delay and stuff going on in the in the workings and i found a couple of things where you're doing things live but i couldn't find something by yourself it was always with a duo it was always with a guitar player or a drummer or a violinist or so 
when you're doing this tour, you're doing this tour alone. What what will you be doing? Will you be doing uh, any pre-recorded um, stuff? Board. I'm not using backing tracks, actually. This is going to be like really intimate, stripped-down performances. And I do have like, a looper, so I, it's going to be really different from like the band set. I think there'll be a little bit more improvisation, actually. Like The one thing about playing with the band is you can't mess up and you can't change anything and when i'm alone i tend to like some of that like my early years of getting into the american primitive guitar players like fahey and leo cocky and all that stuff is like comes back out where i want to just like noodle <laughs> or jam for a while so, so do you loop, what would, do you do you loop like a little backing track for yourself and then play over that yeah like it only works on songs that have like the same chord over like progression over and over again like then i can do like three chords and capture that once and then i can play solos over that with a loop and then do some harmonies with a separate vocal looping setup but for the most part i'm going to just be presenting these songs like as they are i think people will enjoy that just as much as like a full production so it's going to be almost like you were when you used to do the open mic at the brooklyn coffee tea house exactly except better um, <laughs> hopefully like a lot better because that's what happens when you play take you know when you play for that long true that's the cool thing about art is like i actually still teach both music and art i do remote lessons and i always tell my students like don't expect to just be done learning like this is a lifelong process you're never done well you know what (laughs) i think you're just on the cusp of like of the generation that isn't like that because i find that a lot of younger people now younger than you probably people in their 20s and 30s think that once they've graduated from college that's it and they're done and they're all set and they can do whatever they want and they're they're golden in what they do they don't realize that there's a whole new phase of learning coming up yeah it is a different attitude like people are like how did you get started or how did you get these labels putting out your music and i'm like well i had like 80 labels before them that like either dropped me or you know it's like it to sustain a career these days is not an easy feat no i think people don't realize how much like busy work goes into this stuff and i mean i'm not like filling rooms everywhere i go there's certain cities that i do like weird places like istanbul um you've played in istanbul i'm like really popular in turkey really i mean for whatever reason i think that cover of the famous blue raincoat song like really hit over there and it's actually the only place i've ever played two nights in a row i didn't even think you could tour those places i've been over yeah i have done a bunch of european tours like i know you've done like like, london and stuff like that yeah i know you've Um, done east uh western europe but i didn't realize you'd gone into the eastern side of europe i have yeah i did like poland and um i've even played in russia really uh, which was really and i played alone now how do you how did you hook up with these gigs i mean did people contact you booking agent that i've been working with for a very long time in europe one of the oldest like i've stayed with him throughout a variety of record labels and they'll make us a request basically like we want to put her on in russia and like some of the cities i've got more of a following than others like the places you'd expect 
like I do well in England and Germany, France and Italy and stuff like that, but I can still go to Providence and there might be 20 people there. Um, well, that's that's always <laughs> been the case for Europe and versus the United States. The United States is not as supportive as, as European audiences. They really embrace music and appreciate the arts, unlike here where they take it for granted. It's very true. And it really, as an artist, like I'm constantly bummed out about that because the way you know the only things that are really left behind when civilizations crumble is the art right like right. the sculptures and the buildings the vehicles the paintings and people just don't like you know my whole life it's like well good luck with that yeah it's, and it's not respected as much and luckily i think the one like the internet has like been great because you see people doing all sorts of cool art and making careers however small those careers may be out of it and being able to like i've been supporting myself off just music for the most part this whole time i mean i've like had teaching jobs and i'm still teaching but like you try something long enough like finally this year i started to get more syncs like where you know your show song will get used in a tv show or oh, a movie cool. that's like the other day like this cover of Sleepwalk that I did charting for one day on Spotify in Germany. And I was like, why is that song charting? It's so weird because I don't, I don't really chart, you know, mm. <laughs> not like that, not under a Miley Cyrus. Turns out it had been used in like this German crime TV show because in Germany, they don't have to ask you first. They just use it and pay you later. <laughs> Um, it was interesting, yeah. to say the least. Well, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's, I, I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. Like I said, I, I remember you from the open mics in Providence and all of a sudden yeah. to go from that with that, you know, the gap of like five years, we, we lost touch for that, like five years and between, you know, you leaving Providence and Facebook and all of a sudden, like I see you on Facebook and you're turning the world and I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Maybe someday you'll come and play my folk festival. Yeah. I have the Rhode Island folk festival. Yeah. The woman who runs the stage i'm sure you know her allison calorie of course i do yeah um, she, allison and me are friends right she runs the song bird stage at the festival maybe you can hit her up for next year and you can play that stage next year yeah totally yeah i mean this is where people actually come out to hear you we get a very good crowd at this festival so it's it's That's turned great. into quite a great big festival and uh, yeah it's always nice to have people who've made it from rhode island but you have to kind of ask her because she has so many people coming at her what happens is you you get bombarded with requests and you don't always get to fulfill them all so well allison and i go way back she i'm sure you do i made her first album with miles oh yeah he, he actually recorded my first album the one that got me all the connections we're still friends yeah he's he does a lot of stuff with allison I've, yeah. there's always a connection in rhode island to somebody like i said it's just you know rhode island has like one degree of separation for things but everybody knows especially in the music community everybody knows everybody because it's a small state with a small community so it's kind of impossible yeah. that we don't know each other but all right well what are we expecting uh at the uh it's the 20 are you playing the 28th at uh SQ? yeah so what do you yeah. um is anybody My else on that orion bill? is opening at, yeah orion right um oh, actually dominice yep she used to play like folky stuff and now she's like making disco noir or whatever like she's awesome i love her and it's gonna be a, definitely not a folk set but <laughs> i think it's gonna be melodic and 
very cool. Yeah, I'm familiar with her. I, I think I've seen her a couple of times. She's she's got some cool stuff. Well, I'm I'm glad you were able to we were able to connect. You know, I've I've wanted to catch up with you for a while. I saw you were coming to Providence, so I figured I would take this opportunity to talk to you and you know, give people a chance to hear a few of your songs. Well, thank you. It's really nice to catch up. All right, Marissa, it was really nice talking to you. Good luck with the show. I'm sure it's going to be great. And uh, thanks again for chatting.
Okie dokie. Thanks to Marissa Nadler for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Marissa will be at Askew on Friday, April 28th. For more, take the path of the clouds over to askewprov.com. That's A-S-K-E-W-P-R-O-V.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Third Island Blood Center, Gray Sale Brewing, Providence Ballet Theater, New Bedford Festival Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Festival Ballet, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, and R1 Indoor Carding. Thanks for listening. Thank you.